Today's episode of Atlanta Zone is brought to you by Madden NFL 2005. Do you think you're smarter than everybody else? Do you consider everybody that buys the latest and greatest sports video games a sucker and just another victim of corporate marketing? If so, then Madden NFL 2005 on PlayStation 2 is the product for you. It comes complete with amazing gameplay, graphics that are good enough, but not so realistic your dad walks into the room and sits down thinking that he's watching Sunday Night Football. Plus, Michael Vick and that sweet, sweet 99 speed. This game was when they got it right, and everybody else should have just quit. Madden NFL 2005, the official game of Atlanta Zone. EA Sports! It's in the game! It's in the game! Ah! Madden NFL 2005. What's up, Atlanta sports fans? My name is Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis. Adam, how's it going, sir? Going very well, Graham. Feels a little uh, empty, but also homey again. Just the two of us back in the, well, plus producer Tiller, back in the Adam Kalal studio. Yeah, it's a, it's a big change from Radio Road from last week. Yep. Yeah, that was exciting, though. It was. Big week. Yep. You kind of just snuck out there, too. You didn't have to pay for anything. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. that's how we do. You just act confident, and people will just open doors and gates. And they, they saw our $60 microphone. We're like, these guys are legit. Yeah, they, these guys check out. Yeah. Uh, no, going pretty well. Um, glad to have another football team out there that is in the losing column now with the Patriots, and we're not the latest Super Bowl losers anymore, so... We got that going for us. Yep. And uh, I was really... This kind of will be a little bridge to our Falcons segment. I was really pissed off the whole time I was watching that game. Because we were the only team in the entire playoffs to really contain Philly's offense. We scored 41 points against the Patriots. They scored, what, 38 against the Vikings. And they only scored 15 against us. Yeah. And it's like if our offense just had more than one testicle, we win. Just one extra touchdown in there. Yeah. And what was even worse was I went to lunch with a friend of mine at work yesterday. We went late because we were working like crazy. So we eat lunch like 3 o'clock. And we went to a $6 cafe. And we're sitting at the bar, eating our lunch. And lo and behold, what does NFL Network have on uh, the television? What game do you think they're replaying? Not last year's Super Bowl, right? No. Okay, thank God. Uh, well, I'm going to guess, oh, okay. yeah. based on the story you just started with, that they were showing the Falcons-Eagles game. Correct. And it was right in the fourth quarter. So watching that sober gave me a little some new perspective. <laughs> um, I mean, I knew every single play was about to happen, but it just killed me. Then on that final drive, which was actually pretty well executed until the end for the most part, you know, there's some road bumps. I think Devonta Freeman got like three carries, and they were either negative yardage or like one yard gain. One was a five yard loss. Mm-hmm. Tevin Coleman gets the ball, runs it once for like 15 yards, never sees it again. It's just once again, yeah, that's like, insane. Oh, it's just so painful watching that again. That was on the last drive. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I don't think awful. I could have done that. It was awful. I had to experience the pain again, though. 
to have fresh perspective. The thing that blows my mind is that after the game, it came out that Devonta Freeman had a torn PCL, I think a slightly torn AC. He had multiple tears in his, his in some knee ligaments. Right. The Falcons going were, into that game, going correct. into that game, yes, that happened in the Rams game, I believe. And so you're going into that game, and you're like, I have Devonta Freeman who's banged up severely, but still says he can play, and I have Tevin Coleman who's 100 percent healthy. We should lean on one of these guys. We should lean on the guy who is obviously healthy, who we know can be a feature back in this league, who has proven himself, and use Devonta, maybe give him like five touches or something. See how he looks. Yeah. You know, put him out there enough so that he can be a decoy and give him a few carries just to, you know, so that the game plan of the defense doesn't center entirely on Devin Coleman, so you're keeping the other defense honest. Instead, once again, they split carries. And I have to really question, and this is kind of old news, but it just really upset me that Dan Quinn... Nor Sark has a wherewithal to say, we got to feature Tevin Coleman in this game. And it wasn't just the output, because the output was the output once we get into the game, which we've already talked about. Coleman 10 carries for 79 yards, Freeman 10 carries for like seven or something. Going into that game, you got to have the game plan centered around Tevin Coleman as, as your running back. Why? Because of Devontae being hurt? Yes. You have two torn knee ligaments. Do you think Devontae was... Devontae said he could go. He was fine. I know. I heard him in an interview, and he said, yeah, I wasn't 100%. We knew that. But I wanted to go out there. I wasn't going to pull myself out of the, of the game. So if your star running back tells you he's good to go, don't you got to trust him? Yeah, but I also got to say I have a fully healthy running back who has proven himself, and he's going to be our, our featured back for this game. You got to make that decision. You obviously know Devontae's not 100%. He's not going to be effective, and you're going against the best rush defense in the NFL. It's pretty damn simple to me. Only thing I disagree with you, I, I agree that once you saw the output, that's when you need to adjust and be like, okay, maybe Devontae's not as healthy as he said. Mm-hmm. But if going into the game, your guy says, I'm good to go, coach, put me in there. When you know he has torn knee ligaments? Obviously, it's something you can play with. I'm not a knee doctor or surgeon. But think about it as as a running back. People walk around with torn ACLs all day. Yeah, but they're not playing professional football. I mean, this is... Devontae was. Yeah, and and he was subsequently shut down. And you have to know going to that game, you're going against the best run defense in the league. And you just can't make that decision. It's worse that, that it happened once we saw the output, but I think going into it, not having that as part of your game plan was foolish, knowing that his knowing the, the status of Devontae's health. I think it's a bullshit move, and once again proves that Dan Quinn is not a game coach. He's a great rah-rah guy. He's a great defensive strategist. He's good with player development defensively, but he cannot coach in a game on the biggest stages. Yeah, that's uh, there are a lot of people around Atlanta talking about how Doug Peterson, I mean, everyone, no, not just around Atlanta, everywhere, how the the balls on Doug Peterson and like if the Falcons had had Doug Peterson last year, we might win that Super Bowl. I think what are your thoughts there. Uh, I, I disagree in terms of using uh, aggressiveness as your argument because the game was always close against the Patriots in that Super Bowl. We were up 28 to three and we were still being aggressive. That's yeah, pretty cut and dry to me. I think that's a, that's a poor comparison to me. That's fair. Um, totally different game scenarios. But, but all right, how about this? For the 
what 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 was that play at the end of the first half? The Philly special or whatever? The the pass to Foles. Yeah, the pass yeah. to Foles. Mm-hmm. Um, the story I saw behind that was Foles was the one that called that. So fourth and one in the Super Bowl, biggest play of the game, basically. And Foles was the one that went to Peterson. And was like, Coach, let's run the Philly special. He thought about it for a second. Was like, Hell yeah, go get him. It's a play that the whole team was confident in. Whereas us, the Falcons, were in the same situation at the goal line. A chance to win the ball game at the end of the game. And instead of Matt Ryan taking command and being like, this is what we're going to do, let's call a play that everyone's confident in, call that bullshit Teron Ward play. Uh, The third down play? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the difference is they had a play that no one had seen before that the entire team was confident versus the Falcons – this year, having doing a shovel pass that garbage play, yeah. that, and just Matt Ryan not standing up to Sark and being like, "No, we're not going to do that." I, I I wonder. Here's one thing about Matt, and as most people know, I'm a huge Matt apologist and defender. But I I've begun to wonder over the years his say in the offensive game plan and what the dynamic is like there. We obviously don't know all the answers. And we know Matt has some control over the play calling at the line of scrimmage with his, you know, he, he shifts coverages uh, in terms of pass protection. I'm sure he calls hot routes. You know, we saw, I saw a lot this year more so than other years, him making a lot of adjustments at the line. But I have to wonder, does he have, I don't think he has full autonomy over this offense. I think he needs it. I agree. I think at this point, especially with a loser offensive coordinator, um, and a young offensive coordinator. Maybe Sark can turn around. I feel like I've been too hard on him. But especially with a young offensive coordinator and a guy who's been in the league for 10 years, Matt Ryan's a good enough quarterback to run an offense. I'm not saying he's Peyton Manning, but... Well, when do we see our offense at the best? When we're in the no huddle. Yeah. That's when it's at the most efficient. Right. And, like, everything's ticking, and that's Matt Ryan at the line calling the plays. Yeah. I don't know why we can't do a blend of no huddle play calling in the Shanahan offense. It doesn't really make much sense. Hopefully Sark's out there listening, man. We we got it all. We got all the answers. Yeah. Right? Yeah, no. I mean it's it's pretty simple. You just got a bunch of idiots yelling at you on the radio or on podcasts saying, Why don't you just do this? Why don't you just go do it? Yeah, I mean, obviously we know all the ins and all the outs to their strategy, what goes on in all the team meetings, uh, what Matt and Sark's relationship is. We know no. it all. Yeah, we know it all. Why don't you just listen to us? Exactly. We're right, we're fans. Yeah, Fuck off. I mean, most of our info comes from Twitter, so why don't they just go to Twitter yeah. and get the same info? It doesn't make sense. Both Dan Quinn and Steve Sarkeesian have Twitter accounts. Yeah, They're there's, verified. There's a lot of smart people out there. Yeah. Listen to them, okay? Yeah. We know what we're talking about. We played bad in 2005. There's a reason why they coined the term armchair quarterback. Armchair quarterback. Yes, yeah, a guy like sits. It's sort of like a, a front seat or a passenger seat driver. You know, Back seat like, driver. Back seat driver, whatever you call it, you know. Telling you how to do what you need to do when you're actually the person in charge and they're not. Yeah, that's pretty much your middle name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of Matt, though. Yeah. Uh, the one not living in the past anymore with the games that we have lost. Move on to what Arthur Blank said this week about Matt Ryan and his extension that mm. is hopefully coming up soon. Yep. And for anyone who doesn't want him to get an extension, you just need to drop it. It's going to happen. I don't care what your opinion is on Matt Ryan. It, it, it is going to happen. Yeah. So. We're, we're, us at Atlanta Zone are getting real sick 
of these Matt Ryan haters out there. We're not going to say any names because they're more than just... You know who you are. Yeah, it's more than just Hugo and his posse that are Matt Ryan haters. I've heard a lot of other haters out there in Atlanta that clearly don't remember what life was like before Matt Ryan. You had an inconsistent quarterback who was inaccurate, who had amazing speed but didn't study the game plan, didn't give a shit about his team, killed dogs, flicked off fans, and was sent to prison. Ah, it went too far. It's true. I suppose. (laughs) And then you had Joey Harrington after that. And then you get a gift from God and a rookie quarterback who became a good game manager who then transitioned to become a great quarterback and became the best quarterback this franchise has ever seen. So if you want to go replace him, tell me who the heck you want to replace him with because realistically, you're barking up the wrong tree. Yeah, look at all the – look at Cleveland. They, they go – they keep drafting their franchise quarterback, keep failing. Look at Jacksonville doing the same thing with Blake Borders. I think that's their guy. He's not. Look at – I mean, you name it. Every, like there's a few – five, six teams out there that have stability at quarterback year in and year out, and we're one of those teams. That's the end of our Matt Ryan defense. But anyways, we'll get back to the crux of the story here. So Arthur was quite candid about the extent. Well, he he says that, first of all, signing Matt Ryan, re-signing him is a priority to the team. But he also made it very clear that he expects Matt to take a team-friendly deal. Um, he says, we're not going to base what we do as a team off what other teams are doing with all these quarterbacks that are getting signed and just making absurd money. And it's not, it can't, which I agree with Arthur, you can't just continue the trend. Well, Matt Stafford made this much this year, and this is the next quarterback to sign, so he needs to make 5% more than him. And where does it end? Yeah. I mean, in the defense of Matt Ryan, you know, if, if you have Matt Stafford and you have Matt Ryan. You look at Matt Ryan's credentials much better. Won more playoff games, won a conference championship, won an MVP. Um, he should, on paper, get more money than Matt Stafford, although I get also what you and Arthur are saying, too. Yeah, you can't always compare it to that. And then when you have a quarterback taking up, damn, I don't know the percentages, we'll call it 15% of your entire payroll. Well, the, the thing re- is, he's the, making, rest of, the rest of your team's going to suffer. And at this point in this in his career, Matt Ryan, I mean, he's already signed a $100 million contract. At this point, he's made enough money. He, him and his family are going to be good, but he should want to win a championship, and him taking a little cut is going to help him accomplish that goal. He's got 22, uh, I think he's on the hook for $22 million this year. I think that's going to go up. But I think if he does a team-friendly deal, it doesn't have to get ridiculous. He doesn't need to sign like a $145 million deal or something like that. But who am I to say? Go out and get what you're worth. But I don't know. I, I get the argument for and I get the argument against. From a team standpoint, from a selfish standpoint, from my standpoint, I completely agree with you. Yeah. From Matt's standpoint, I can't say because I'm not the man. And honestly, if I'm him, I want to have as much money as I need. But I also think that... He is also a very team-oriented guy, and I would not be surprised if he came out and you know signed a deal that was still you know fair, but wasn't 145 million dollars for that's just going to cripple years. us because we got a lot of young guys coming up. Your Deion Joneses, your Keanu Neal, Grady Jarrett, your Grady Jarretts that we would like to resign. You can't resign everybody, but if particularly Grady Jarrett, yeah. But if Matt Ryan takes a team-friendly deal, what what he needs to do. And what I'd like to see happen is a sit-down with him and Chipper Jones. 
Mm. Chipper Jones is Mr. Team-Friendly Contract because he realizes, look, I've made millions upon millions of dollars, uh, invested that money, made smart decisions over his career to where he knows he's set. And like I said, at this point, you should want to win a championship. And I think that's one of, even though Chipper didn't win a championship with those team-friendly deals. um, But Chipper was taking those deals by the time he was already past his prime where he still had a ton of value, but he wasn't coming off an MVP season from like a year ago. Right. But you could also argue he was paid well when he won that MVP. Like he almost made a hundred million dollar contract in 2000 or something like that. And he, you know, that was like the highest contract ever in Braves franchise history. Yeah. But I mean, baseball's a little different. Different because you don't have salary cap, but I'm just saying. Exactly. And that, that was Arthur's blank is Arthur's point. It's not like the NBA where you can just, go over the, like, pay the luxury tax and be like, we're just going to spend it all. Like, mm-hmm. you have to spend a certain amount of money and keep it under that and to house a competitive team. Yeah, I mean, I'll be interested in to see what, what Matt decides to do and his agent. I know Matt Ryan shares agents um, with Matt Stafford, so I'm sure that agent is going to want to get that Matt Stafford money or hire. The agent is at the behest of his employer, and if Matt does say, you know, we'll do a team-friendly deal, he's got to listen to him, or Matt's just going to get another agent. So, yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if the agent's also whispering in his ear saying, hey, let's go get a fucking shit ton of money. So I don't know how it's going to shake out. We know that Matt got a pretty absurd deal, the one he's on now, in the, uh, the year after the um, when we lost to San Francisco in the NFC Championship. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again, where he got a really big, ridiculously huge deal for a quarterback. So I'm just saying, don't get your hopes up. But I mean, Arthur Blake coming out like this, that's putting pressure on Matt. Sure. It's, it's definitely a tactic on his part yeah. just to put it out in the public. And, and get us talking about yeah, it. Get guys like me agreeing with him. And I would probably think less of Matt if he just gouges us and wants to be the number one paid quarterback in the league. I think they can construct it in a way that's more backloaded so that it can still be team friendly, but it can still get market value. I think Thomas is creative enough and um, to be able to do that. And I, and his, the deal he's on now is kind of similar to that. He got paid a little more like 22 million, I think was one of the lower amounts he got paid that coming off this year. So maybe there's a way that they can still, that they can really backload it and that, um, you know, we can make those really important free agency decisions sooner rather than later. So even if he gets a, a huge deal, there might be a way for us to negate impact now, but I just don't see it happening, honestly. Well, that's why they call you Mr. Negativity. Yep. That's all I am. Yep. All doom and gloom. But we'll see. And we're probably not going to see anything until – Probably training camp, honestly, yeah. or a little before training camp. So this will be an ongoing debate for a while, and I'm sure there will be more news that comes out. And Matt has not made a statement uh, to this, as far as I know. Arthur Blank talked again today, I think, on the radio um, about you know how he was upset with this season. He expected more. Um, you know, he wants more from the offense. So it's good to hear Arthur being realistic about the team. He's not just saying, oh, shucks, you know, we gave it all our, you know, we gave it our all. He's saying, no, we deserve, we, we need to do better. Yeah. I think Arthur's been talking a little too much recently, though. You've seen all this stuff with him and the Patriots. Oh, uh, Robert Kraft. Yeah, with yeah. Robert Kraft. So Robert, in case you hadn't heard, Robert Kraft got put like 283 
diamonds in the Patriots championship ring to signify, of course, 28 to three. And Arthur Blank's kind of complaining about that. And then he was also saying something about uh, Saints fans teasing us all the time and like trying to basically basically still defending the Super Bowl last year. Of course, we're going to get shit on forever for that. Yeah, there's nothing we can really do about yeah, that. Except for win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and Robert Kraft, as much of a prick as he might be for doing that, hey, you won money talks, championships talk, losing does not. Simple as that. Yep. Um, I don't think we have any more, any more Falcons news to report. No, sir. Okay, and we'll we'll be talking more about the Falcons as we get into free agency, um, and of course the draft coming up as well. I guess moving on to some Hawks news. The Hawks destroyed Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies last night. I think they won like one hundred six to eighty four or something. Looked really good. Um, unfortunately, once again, that scares Adam because that is another win, and another win <laughs> makes it harder and harder to be the number, the worst team in the league. Yep. Which is all I want for Christmas this Indeed. year. Indeed. Yes, same here. Our number one draft pick. And then we can have Christmas in July when they do the, uh, the NBA draft. But Marco Bellinelli was held out of that game last night because we thought we might trade him. The trade deadline as of recording today is about mm, it's either 24 hours or a little under, a little, little more than 24 hours away. So. Oh, so we probably should have waited about a day to record this podcast, huh? Probably. To have up-to-date news instead of just speculation that by the time I, this comes out. By the time I edit it, this will be a, uh, a segment lost in time. That's a bummer. Indeed. Well, we'll just let you know our thoughts going into it then. Yeah. So Bellinelli's on the trade block. I think we can get – we're not going to get anything great for him, but I don't mind trading him. Obviously, he's not going to – he doesn't have a future here. Um, but a lot of people are still speculating that we might trade Dennis Schroeder. So I would ask you, sir, what do you think about that? I've been told that that's not realistic to happen at all. Yeah. It, they, they said that we're open to trading everybody except John Collins. and apparent, Even Torian Prince? Yeah. Wow. Everyone except John Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the Schlank said. Uh, a lot of teams don't, like, they view Schroeder in negative light. They don't see him as a leader. And his defense is so atrocious, no one wants to take him on. So he's kind of viewed as a team cancer around the league, I think. Wow. Yeah. So I would be stunned if Schroeder gets traded. So they wouldn't want to trade for a 24-year-old point guard with a lot of talent uh, that's certainly still malleable at this point in his career, who can go out and drop 20 and 10 like that? Yeah, because we're not going to, like, if we were to trade Schroeder, it's not like we're just going to ask for, uh, like, First round pick that's like in the 20th, like we would want a lot back for Schroeder. Sure. So I don't think that's realistic of happening if teams do view him in that light. Mm-hmm. So what I saw, um, Deadman is the only team, the only player that was drawing significant in, um, interest for multiple teams. Yeah. I know there's Deadman. I think Baysmore is still being floated around. God, I hope the Cavs will just overpay for him. I really do. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Cavs are running out of time. They're spiraling into a pit of hell. I was looking at that, though, because everyone's talking about how terrible they are, but they're still a three seed. We're just and losing like seven, a lot right And now. like seven games over 500. Yeah. So, but, I mean, they're definitely on They'll the figure line. it out by the playoffs and make a run, I'm sure. Probably. But uh, any other Hawks news going on? I don't think so, man. Um, it's pretty quiet. Yeah. 
I, I just thought that was interesting that the Schlenk said Collins is the only guy off limits considering some of the other young guys on this roster. I'm glad, and I'm also upset that he did not get uh, selected for the slam dunk contest. Man, dunks. I mean, we were watching the Boston game on, what, Saturday night? Yeah. Every other play, he was going out there dunking the ball. Yeah, he's nasty, the man, man. The man attacks the rack. Every highlight with yeah. him is a dunk. I mean, the, the I don't know how many dunks he's had this year. He is athletic as hell. I'd love to see him in the dunk contest. If he were, because I remember Josh Smith's rookie year, which I believe was 2004? Either four or five. Or think. maybe earlier than that. No, I think it was 2004, 2005 season. He won the slam dunk contest. Yeah. Atlanta's and, and, last championship. And, that, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's when we were like garbage. Like, oh, we were awful. Like this team is a lot better than that team. Like, Enjoyable that, garbage. Yeah. like But like this team has talent. Like I don't think we're going to get – and I said this at the beginning of the year. There's something here with this team. Like they play well together. They buy into Coach Bud's system. Um I think we're, like I said, unless we trade off a bunch of people, I don't see us ended up with the worst record in the league based off the games I've watched. But, uh, yeah, I remember watching that Josh Smith dunk contest, and if John Collins were to do it this year when we're also the worst team and kind of just be like a coming around reset of the franchise because that was like us coming back up again when we had Josh. Right. Yeah, moving on to Braves news. Um there was a lot of talk about Todd Frazier potentially. Oh, sorry. You good? <laughs> Moving on to some Braves news. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Todd Frazier coming to Atlanta maybe as a free agent. Uh, he signed with the Mets for two years, like $18 million or something. I'm glad we're not getting Todd Frazier, honestly. The dude can't defend anymore. He's well. He hit two hundred five. I know he can't hit. Like he's got he, power. Yeah, all he can do is crush balls. But I mean, uh, most of the year last year, he was hitting like one eighty five or something. It wasn't until he got traded that he got motivated to maybe take a pitch or two. Yeah. So I'm totally fine on that sign. Oh hell yeah! I would have been pissed. Like yeah. a lot of people were upset about that because they're like, oh, two years, seventeen million. Like kind of surprised the Braves didn't go for that. Fuck that. But also, he wouldn't have taken that deal to come to Atlanta. Like he took that deal to stay in New York mm-hmm. with his family and like play for a Similar. team that has a chance to be competitive. Yeah, more of a chance than the Braves, anyways. Definitely. So I was just surprised so many people wanted to see us sign a guy like Todd Frazier in the first place. Where if we're not going to win this year, then all that does is keep a guy like Johan Camargo off the field. And uh, I, I really want to see what this guy can do over a full season as our starting third baseman. Yeah, no, I would too. Although someone gave me cause for pause. Let's listen on the radio uh, to Ben Ingram, who's the does the Braves pregame show and the six-hour Braves postgame show on Six A <laughs> The Fan, and he was saying, you know, the only reason I would still be interested in getting someone else to look at third base was he feels like Johan Camargo's stats and the time he served last year at the professional level was very similar to Dansby Swanson. And how everybody was ready to anoint Dansby as the next great thing, blah, blah, blah. He's already set as the shortstop next year, and then we all know how that turned out. I think it's very different, obviously, because of the expectations. But it was interesting well, what, what, to, to hear that take. What was Ben's point, that we should just give up on Johan no, and not at all. put him in the minors? Not at all. It's just that he doesn't think third base is set at this point, that if someone was brought in that was more of a veteran commodity, that he wouldn't be opposed to that. I would, and I'll be very frank about this. I'm tired of bullshit. 
old guys who are not going to be here next year, who are not going to contribute anything, who are stop gaps. We have a perfectly serviceable third baseman in Camargo. If he fucks up, if he fails, so be it. Start the guy. Start the young players. The only old-ass guy I want to see, and just for a limited amount of time, is Nick Markakis until we can trade him. That is it. And the catchers. I don't want to see a person over the age of 30 set foot on that field except those guys. I'm sick of this bullshit. I don't care if we lose 100 games. I want to see the young guys playing because this is the last year I want to lose 90 games or more. I'm tired of this. It needs to stop. they got to take their licks. Let's see what everyone's got to work with for an entire season. I feel like you're getting upset over I don't know what. You, you said you're tired of this, but we didn't trade for Todd. For, we didn't sign Todd Frazier. Sound like Bernie Sanders at a rally. You're just so mad. The only way you know how to speak is by yelling. The veterans. We got to get rid of the veterans. Yeah, because pretty much it's can't take it anymore. So that's why I'm saying I disagree with fucking Ben Ingram's point. That's all I'm saying. Oh, well, I don't disagree with what the Braves are doing. I disagree with Ben Ingram's take on oh, that. So Even though I respect what he's okay. saying. I get okay, it. Okay. I just disagree with him. I thought you were saying you agreed with what Ben No, was I would saying. just be upset if it's like, oh, yeah, let's no, bring in yeah. some loser third baseman, Jock Peterson. No, no, Jock Peterson's not fewer. Fucking, I don't know. Who's that guy in the Yankees? Chase Headley or something, you know, if we brought him in. I would just, I wouldn't go to a fucking game next year. That's not true. But I, I would just be pissed, man. Who wants to see that? Nobody. We're not doing that. That's, looking, that's like looking like at a, like an aged cacti in the desert. You know what you're getting. We're not doing that, though. I know, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still, I don't know. I apologize for Graham folks. He, I'm broken this week. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were all good vibes this week, and Graham just had to pull out a classic Graham rant there. Yep. Uh, anger over nothing. Uh, but anyways, yes, I think the plan <laughs> is to go with Camargo to see what he has for this year because that only makes sense. Yeah. It, and Anthopolis was very clear that he said he wants to know what he has before he starts doing some crazy wheeling and dealing. Right, and there's also talk of Rio Ruiz being a uh, platoon companion. There at third base, which That's I'd fine. be fine with that too. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got Austin Riley as your big gun prospect at third base. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll probably start in Gwinnett with the strippers this year. And you just got to, you don't want to block him by signing some cactus, as Graham would like to put it. Yes. And you want, if, if Acuna tears it up in Grapefruit League, actually, no, I'll ask this because that's a pretty straightforward question. If Acuna. Hits, let's say, hits like 250, has an okay on base percentage, maybe hits a couple of bombs, doesn't blow you away. You just throw him out there anyway to start the season. Uh, I'll be honest, regardless, I kind of want him starting in AAA. Bring him up in May. Why? That extra year of arbitration. Mm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I understand the sentiment. Let's put him out there now. The, I mean, it would be mainly for selling tickets that so they'd bring him up now, I think. But if he, if he hits 400 in the Grapefruit League, can you really... You might have to. You really... Yeah. It's got to force your hand. But I also would be okay with a platoon of Lane Adams and um, that dude we got from the Astros, Preston Tucker. Oh. I don't think Lane Adams is garbage. No, I wouldn't like, mind seeing him getting a little extended playing time. I would like Lane Adams to be our pinch hitter moving forward until we can get a better replacement. I think he's super solid in that role. Yeah. I don't want to see him every day, though. But I think that's all I have on the Braves. You, yeah, I think uh, yeah. Pitchers, pitchers and catchers report next week. I'm getting more, more and more excited about baseball, as you can tell with my prolonged rant. 
Yeah, I'm a little concerned if you're that upset before the season even starts, if you're going to be able to make it. All they got to do to piss me off is sign veterans. <laughs> they sign veterans, I'm going to lose it. You're going to be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to absolutely lose it. Yeah. Unless, you know, obviously we got the Brandon McCarthy's and Scott Casimir's in the world. They pitch, uh, you know, whatever. But no more of this shit. You don't want the veteran positional players. No, I really don't. And I really don't want the veteran pitchers anymore, but I think having at least one established veteran there will be fine. I mean, you already got one. You should do it, yeah. yeah. Um, your boy Bartolo Colon latched on again with the team. Incredible. The Rangers gave him a minor league deal. Yeah, I saw that. Man, just keeps going. It's, it's incredible. He had a six, over six ERA last year. And that was after it went down with going to the Twins. The Twins. He had like yeah. a 750 ERA with us or something. It was just crazy. Yeah. But and kudos Bartolo. I mean, he's a '90s legend, and I hope he never retires. I hope he plays till he's 55 or something. He, he's going. Well, he's already beat Tom Brady by quite a few years. Yeah, maybe think, he's going for Julio uh, Franco's. Record. I think he's going for Jamie Moyer. I think Jamie Moyer played till he's 49. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so we could get three more years of Bartolo. Yeah, It'd be great. He'll probably have an amazing year this year and really piss me off. Pretty Come, typical comeback player of the year. Yeah, pretty typical for a former Braves player. Indeed. Well, we just got interrupted in the middle of our Brave segment by Veronica, who is ready for her third edition of Veronica's Sports Puns. Hey, Atlanta sports users. <laughs> Look how loud that was. I hope, oh, sorry. No, that's no, great. It's not a problem. <laughs> I hope everyone had a great Super Bowl pun day. So I enjoyed the game, but all I can say is that the way the Phillies fans celebrated in their city should be illegal. (laughs) This is another classic. I'm not so sure that's a Pun. Ill Eagle. More is just... No, it's a pun. Is that a pun? No, totally. Might need to look up the definition of a pun. That's a pun. Okay. Ill Eagle. Ill Eagle. Eagle. No, I get it. I get it. (laughs) And puns like that is exactly why we sent intern Jared out to recruit top-notch talent like that. Great job, Veronica. Oh, I was recruited by Jared. Well, I think that's all we have for today's episode of Atlanta Zone. Thank you for making us part of your day or evening, wherever you are, from the great city of Atlanta to Tokyo, Japan. We love all our users. Unite and conquer. Chop on. Stand brotherhood. Rise up. And remain true to Atlanta. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship. Hospitalmanship.